On this episode of The Audible, Marco delivers a stunning speech to the annual gathering of conservatives at CPAC, he scores a landslide victory in Puerto Rico, and he gets a very warm welcome in his home state of Florida ahead of the crucial primary there. All of that and more on this episode of The Audible, the official podcast of Marco Rubio for President. Last Friday, Marco hit some of the network morning shows after a great debate performance in Detroit. Here he is on Good Morning America. Senator, I wanted to ask you first about the tenor of this campaign. Parents watching last night, kids watching too. You and Donald Trump have traded personal insults in recent days, and Trump responding last night to your comments about the size of his hands, and without going any further, this is a morning show. Uh, you have young children. Do you regret where this has gone? Look, I, I, I regret the way the campaign has become, absolutely, because Donald Trump for the last year has made it one of the most vulgar spectacles in American political history. He has offended personally every single person running for president. He's offended journalists, he's offended the disabled, he's offended women. So I would love for all that to stop. But do you I'd rather talk about on that level? I'd rather talk about public policy. Look, I think sometimes when someone is as offensive as he is repeatedly, he needs to get a taste of his own medicine. And let's be clear, nothing I have ever said comes anything close to what Donald Trump says regularly on a daily and routine basis. Well, let me turn to Not some of the issues that you brought answer. up last night. Uh, both you and Senator Cruz went after Mr. Trump, uh, raising concerns about Trump University, among other things. You said he's making promises he has no intention of keeping. He's trying to con people into giving them their vote. He's trying to... Absolutely. And he's done this in his business career. What he's done throughout his business career is he says, look, I'm this very successful businessman. I know how to get this and that done, and I can do it for you. Sign up with my brand or sign up with my thing. Well, that's what he's doing now, except instead of money, he's asking for people's votes. But if you look at he has no intention of doing any of this. It's already clear last night he changed his position on immigration. He changed at least on one key aspect of immigration. Uh, he has no answers on health care. We saw that last week. He had no serious response to foreign policy other than to attack me personally by the name calling. There is not a single issue that he has ever given a thoughtful, serious answer on, and he's asking to become the president of the United States. Senator, do you know so there's I, been I think that's evidence of someone. You know there's been a lot of talk yeah, about this Republican revolt from members of the Republican establishment. Mitt Romney now leading the charge. Uh, Romney saying if Republicans choose Trump as our nominee, the prospects for a safe and prosperous future are greatly diminished. A safe future diminished. Do you agree with that? Well, first, I, I would... Uh, say it's not the Republican establishment alone. There are plenty of constitutional conservatives, people that believe strongly in the conservative principles who understand Donald Trump is not a conservative and his nomination could very well signal the end of the modern conservative movement as we know it. In terms of danger, yeah, the world is a very dangerous place. And some of the rhetoric that Donald Trump has and some of the policies to the extent he's even outlined a little bit out are reckless and dangerous. Next, he was off to Kansas where he made three stops in Wichita, Topeka and Kansas City. He joined New Mexico Governor Susanna Martinez, who endorsed Marco the day before. Here they are in Wichita. That is Marco who's going to bring those conservative principles and those conservative values. He is bringing a new generation of Americans to the conservative values and the principles that life is sacred, that we must secure our borders that you should be allowed to keep more of your money in your pockets. That state government should stay small, that federal government should be smaller, but learn to live within their means like you and I do. And as the proud daughter of a Marine, and 
and the stepmother of a Navy veteran. I know that Marco will have the backs of the men and women who have served and continue to serve our country today. You know, these conservative values, they're hanging in the balance right now. And Marco Rubio is a leader that we need right now. And I promise you one thing, Hillary Clinton doesn't want to have anything to do with Marco Rubio. Then Marco took the stage and discussed his record. And I'm proud of the work we've done in the Senate. It is true, I haven't lived as long as some of the people running for president, but let me tell you, on the Republican side, no one running for president has more experience or a better understanding of our national security issues than I do. And by the way, if that wasn't true, Congressman Pompeo would never have endorsed me because no one is more serious about intelligence matters and national security than he is. And so we need someone that's going to run for, and I'm proud of the other work we've done in my time in the Senate. We, we brought accountability to the VA. I actually worked with Bernie Sanders to make it legal to fire VA executives that aren't doing a good job. Now, we don't agree on anything else though, so, but we agreed on that. We put sanctions on Hezbollah. I led the effort to wipe out the Obamacare bailout fund. We dealt with human trafficking in the Girls Count Act. These are real achievements and I'm proud of them. But it's not enough. It's not enough. We cannot change the direction that a bad president has put us on unless we elect a strong president to undo that damage. And that's why I'm asking you to caucus for me tomorrow, because if you elect me president, we are going to undo the damage that Barack Obama has done to the United States. In endorsement news, both the Miami Herald and Orlando Sentinel, two of Florida's largest newspapers, backed Marco. The Miami Herald declared Marco the only candidate who can unify the party. They said, quote, as the pivotal Florida primary on March 15th draws near, Floridians should not be stampeded into thinking that it's all over. In the Republican race in particular, they have an opportunity to change the course of a deeply discouraging, even embarrassing, campaign narrative by boosting the chances of native son Marco Rubio, the best remaining candidate with a mostly positive message and a practical chance to win the nomination, end quote. On Saturday, Marco stopped by CPAC, the conservative political action conference where thousands of conservative activists gather every year. Marco has spoken there for the past six years, and this year, he gave yet another stunning speech. This is the seventh straight year that I get to speak in CPAC, and it reminds me of the first year that I was here. The year was 2010. I, at the time, was an underdog candidate for the United States Senate. My opponent was the sitting governor of Florida. His name was Charlie Crist. I know that's what I said at the time, too. But no one would listen. It was a time when the conservative movement was being told that we needed to become more like the Democrats. It was in the aftermath of 2008. Barack Obama had won, and we were told that the only path forward was to become more like them, to moderate our message, to moderate our stances, to basically be less conservative. I never believed that at the time, and so I chose to run, and it was a difficult race. At the beginning of that race, 
the only people that thought I had a chance to win all lived in my home. <laughs> and four of them were under the age of 10. <laughs> the entire Republican leadership in Washington, D.C. was with him. And everything I knew about politics said there was no path forward. But it didn't matter to me at the time because I believed deeply that if America continued on the road that the new president had put us on, we would lose the things that made it a special country and the place to change the history of my family. You fast forward seven years to this moment, things have only gotten worse. We've only gotten further and further away from the principles that made America the greatest nation in all of human history. And it brings us to this moment in our history now. The election of 2016 is no longer simply a choice of between political parties or even ideologies. The fundamental question before America right now is what kind of country is this going to be in the 21st century? The thing that, the thing that I always enjoy about CPAC is the incredible number of young people that come to these. Younger Americans. And by younger, I mean anyone under 44. <laughs> Although I feel 45 this week because I've had the flu, but anyway. <coughs> Thank you. And uh, what we ask ourselves in this campaign is what is this country going to look like? What will it look like when my 16-year-old daughter graduates from college? What will it look like when my 13-year-old daughter starts her first business? Or my 10-year-old son starts his family? or my eight-year-old son buys his first home. I can tell you what it's going to look like if we stay on the road we're on right now. They will be the first Americans, you will be the first Americans, that inherit from a previous generation a country worse off than the one that was left for your parents. That is the road that we are headed on now. And if we remain on this road, we will have to explain why our children and grandchildren did not inherit what we did. To get off of this road, we must re-embrace the principles that made us the greatest nation to begin, to begin with. And that's why the theme of this gathering, that our time is now, forces us to answer a second question, and that is, what does it mean to be a conservative in the 21st century? I can tell you what it can never mean. Being a conservative can never be about simply an attitude. Being a conservative cannot simply be about how long you're willing to scream, how angry you're willing to be, or how many names you're willing to call people. That is not conservatism. Conservatism has never been about fear or about anger, not at its best. Do people have a right to be fearful of the future right now? Yes, because for over two decades, leaders in either, neither party have solved the problems before us. Do people have a right to be angry about not just the political class, but every institution in society? Absolutely. But neither anger nor fear will solve our problems. It can serve to motivate us, but it will not solve our problems. What will solve our problems is a specific set of ideas built on bedrock principles that made America the greatest nation to begin with and applying those principles to the unique challenges of this new century. Marco then talked about the high stakes of this election. These young Americans have the chance to fulfill an incredible potential and destiny, but we have to give them a chance. And they won't have a chance if a Hillary Clinton or a Bernie Sanders is elected. And they won't have a chance. 
And they won't have a chance if the conservative movement is hijacked by someone who is not a conservative. After his speech, he sat down with CNN's Dana Bash in an interview that also aired on CNN's State of the Union on Sunday. I have a whole list of questions that yes, I want to ask, but one thing that you were just talking about struck me that I want you to, to talk about because I too came in through the back, through the kitchen, uh, and you know that is definitely how you approach a lot of these uh, events, and people don't really realize that. But for you, it is personal. Yeah. I mean, my parents, this was the jobs they did. I always tell people my parents were incredibly successful people. Because the American dream is not about how much money you make or how many buildings have your name on it. The American dream. The American dream. I wasn't talking about anybody in particular, I'm just saying. It was about, the American dream is about achieving happiness. When you become a firefighter or a police officer or a teacher or a nurse, you know you're not going to become a billionaire. What you want is what my parents achieved. And what my parents achieved working as a bartender and a maid at a hotel. After arriving here with nothing, no education, no money, the first words my dad learned in English were, I'm looking for a job. You know what my parents achieved? They owned a home in a safe and stable neighborhood. They retired with dignity. And they left all four of their children better off than themselves. That's the American dream. Now, I know you weren't talking about any particular person when you just well, I probably that. was, but I mean, you know, <laughs> trying to right. be nice. So, to let's, be nice. so let's go there. Donald Trump was supposed to be here this morning. He backed out. He instead was in Kansas. I sense that the crowd has an opinion on that. Uh, do you? Yeah, I mean, this is the American Conservative Union. And so, I mean, it's usually reserved for conservatives. And and no, but this matters. I mean, look, either, either the ideas behind conservatism matter or they do not. And if they do not, then it's fine, but I believe they do. It is not enough to say a vote for me because I'm angrier and over the top and I'm going to do and say things no one else is going to do. I get that anger and frustration, I really do. But let me tell you something. I've said this before, it is not a coincidence that there are people, a plethora of young conservative leaders in this country in their 40s and 50s. Myself, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Scott Walker, Susanna Martinez, Nikki Haley, Paul Ryan. Why? Why? Why are there so many young conservatives now serving our country? I'll tell you why. Because we grew up in the era of Reagan. And Ronald Reagan look, looked and acted nothing like Donald Trump. And, and look at the Democrats. Who is the young and up-and-coming Democrat? Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Senator, let me ask you a question about that, though. And I asked Ted Cruz about this this week as well. You're stepping up your rhetoric big time against Donald Trump on the question of whether or not he is a true conservative. You started doing that at CNN's debate last week. You're calling him a con artist and a fraud. If you believe those things, why did you wait until February of 2016 to say so? Well, a couple reasons why. Number one is because for much of this campaign, I've been fighting off other people attacking me, and so that takes a little bit of time, too. And the other is, look, I didn't get into this to beat up on the other candidates. I really didn't. I had hoped that voters, if you had told me a year ago, that the front runner at this stage in the Republican campaign would be a supporter of Planned Parenthood, who says he doesn't stand with Israel, who says that, uh, who has a long record of supporting government-sponsored health care, I would say, on what planet would that be the Republican front runner? But it's happened, and I think we have to ask ourselves, why have we allowed that to happen? So I don't think any of us anticipated it. And why is that? What point. is the question to that? Why have 
Why have cons because I mean, conservatives Donald have voted and, and voted for him? Well, I mean, part of the, the reason, and I think you're one of the reasons why, and I don't mean this to, and I don't mean to. Uh, take you on this, but, but I want to be clear, because I've now been sitting here for five minutes and two of the three questions have been about Donald Trump. That's the reason why he keeps getting all this attention. That's I mean, fair. That's fair. But he is the front runner. The last... He, that's fair, but he is the front runner, and you've been making your yeah, campaign but, about Donald no, Trump. No, but even, but even before he was the front runner, even before he was the front runner, Donald would offend someone personally. He'd make fun of a disabled reporter or attack a woman journalist, and he would dominate news coverage. Of course he's going to get all this attention. It's fine. I'm not complaining about it. All I'm saying to you is the reason why we talk about it and the reason why there's a lot of this has happened is that the other night at the debate, I didn't do the count, but over half the questions I asked were somehow related to my opinion of Donald Trump. I'm more than happy to share with you my opinion on Donald Trump, but I'm running for president because I think this country needs to re-embrace the Constitution, this country needs to re-embrace free enterprise, and needs to re-embrace a strong national defense. Okay. Just on a personal level, what has been the most surprising part of this campaign? I mean, it is grueling. Obviously, you're sitting here with, with the flu, right? Um, so how have you, how have you um, embraced this in a way that maybe you didn't think you would? Well, there's a lot of surprising parts about this campaign. I told you one of them. I never could have imagined that the front runner in a Republican nomination would be someone that refuses to stand with Israel, defends Planned Parenthood, you know, all these other positions that Donald Trump has taken. But that aside, here's the great part about it. I knew this already, but this campaign reminded me of this. America is not a government. America is a nation and people. America is the country where this very morning, people got up and went to work or opened their business or volunteered in the community. They're going out about their lives and doing great things, irrespective of who the president is going to be or not. Our government is messed up, but the American people are as great as they've ever been. What they need now are leaders that give them a chance. And, and this campaign has confirmed that. I was in South Carolina, and I went to a pregnancy crisis center. You've never heard about this place. It's not in any magazines. They don't get any movies made about them. There's no news articles. These people every day are saving lives. Young girls are coming into this pregnancy crisis center scared to death, thinking about ending an unborn life. And these people, through ministry and the word of God and just loving them, are getting them to change their decisions. They are saving lives, literally. There are now people involved in this program whose lives were saved by this program. That's America. The Audible caught up with some excited conservative activists who were in the crowd there at CPAC. So I should first point out for our listeners at home that you are wearing a Marco Rubio 2016 shirt. This is the um, second day I've worn this this week. <laughs> so you're very excited for Marco. I am. I'm so excited. I've got like a pulse in my throat. I've been like screaming and dancing. I don't know how many snap stories I have right now. He hasn't even come out. So. Uh, so why are you so excited to see him? I love Marco. I love Marco. I love everything he stands for. He is the candidate I agree with most. And I feel like I have been so increasingly frustrated with... Um, our politics in the past couple of years because of the whole conservative liberal divide. Like, I don't ever remember it being this way that it's, oh, you hear someone's a liberal, you're like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You hear someone's a conservative, it's, I don't want to talk to you anymore, and you can't be together. And especially with me, I'm dating a liberal right now, and I've been finding ways to try to get to be with both, try to find common ground. And as I've been trying to manage that, I've been looking for the candidate that can also do that and that can be on both grounds, that's not going to give up his conservative values, but that's also going to work with everybody and doesn't want to be divided anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you're uh, about to hear from Marco in a few minutes. Um, I mean, how does it feel? 
It feels amazing. <laughs> it feels like I'm going to meet like a celebrity. Like he's like on our celebrity wall in our um, apartment. We have like a list of all of our celebrity crushes. We're all Marco people in my apartment back home. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, which is not a very conservative town. So it feels really, really good. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to scream or if I can't scream. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and so what do you like most about Marco? Well, I think that, I mean, aside from his tat, like as part from his, his platform, his official platform, he represents a new generation of Republicans. He, pre he, he represents new leadership, and that's leadership that I'm willing to follow. I was, a, I was formerly a Democrat, and I believe Marco Rubio, um, through his vision, um, his policies and everything, he's pulled me into the Republican Party. And I appreciate him for that, and I think others should follow my footsteps and, and support him, because his leadership is something that's critical um, at this moment. So. And so what kind, of, what kind of stood out with this platform that made you kind of think, well, Maybe I shouldn't be a Democrat. Maybe I should go and support Marco. Definitely his economic policies, and he makes a fair point. Back in the day, you couldn't do business anywhere else apart from the U.S. or, or um, you know, a handful of other uh, other capitalist societies, which were minimal at the time. But now you're in global competition with the world. So when he talks about lowering the corporate tax rate to bring businesses back in America, I mean, he, he's bringing up some valid points. And I understand that every single other Republican candidate is talking about the same thing. But in addition to Marco Rubio's... Um, economic plan, he has the best education plan in terms of private student investment, in terms of um, accreditation um, reform, um, school choice, all those all those things. So that's that's what really um, sealed the deal for me. And so I should point out that we're standing, you know, on the side of the seating just because it's, you know, it's, it's uh, pretty packed in here. Um, do you think that's a testament to just, you know, the kind of support he has from young people? Of course, of course. I mean, Every single young person I've talked to so far has no objection to Marco Rubio whatsoever. I've heard objections to Ted Cruz, John Kasich, and Donald Trump. I've not heard one objection to Marco Rubio. And I think that it is, a, it is a testament to his candidacy and to his potential. Then Marco was off to Jacksonville, Florida, where thousands welcomed him back to his home state. And I want you to know, despite all the negativity, despite all the bad news, despite all the difficulties you are facing in your life and we are facing in our country, I'm asking you not to give in to the fear. I'm asking you not to give in to the hopelessness. I'm asking you not to give in to the anger. Let it motivate you, but do not allow it to define you, and you do not allow it to define us. What I'm asking you to do instead is to be the party of hope and opportunity. Be the party of a better tomorrow. This is what we have a chance to do together, and if we do, let me tell you what history will say of this generation. It will say that we, these Americans alive here now, lived in the early years of this new century in a very difficult time. And after eight years of Barack Obama, and after one crazy election, we almost got this wrong. We came this close to losing the essence of America. And then we remembered who we were. And then we remembered what America was. And then we confronted our challenges and solved our problems. And then we did what needed to be done. And because we did what needed to be done, our children grew up to be the freest and the most prosperous Americans that ever lived. Because we did what needed to be done, because we did what needed to be done, the American dream didn't just survive. The American dream reached more people and changed more lives than ever before. Because in 2016, we did what needed to be done. The 21st century became the greatest era in American history. It became a new American century. This is what we have a chance to do together, but it starts here in Florida. As it is every time there's an election, the eyes of the nation are upon this great state. 
the state where my parents met the American dream, the state where my own American dreams have come to pass, the state that has always given me a chance and will do so again so that together we can leave behind what Americans always leave behind, the single greatest nation in the history of mankind. I love you, Florida. I love you, Jacksonville. Thank you. I need your vote. Thank you. God bless. Some local TV stations caught up with supporters at the rally. I find him to be somebody who's real. I find him to be somebody who grew up like I did, uh, went to school like I did, worked his butt off like I did, and and I firmly support what he's doing. I'm just really encouraged just to see him and just to see his momentum and his fight here. Um, we're really excited about what he's been doing in the debates and just um, putting Trump in his place, but uh, we're just really excited to see what he has to say about all that's happening, and he's going to win Florida. Well, I think this is an important election for all of us, so that's the first reason we wanted to be here, but Marco is a perfect candidate, I think, not just for Northeast Florida, but for Florida and the United States in general, and so his first stop here in Florida before the primary is in Jacksonville. This is where he should start his campaign here, and um, we're excited to be here to hear him talk. The Audible will be right back. This episode of The Audible is sponsored by the MarcoRubio.com store, your only source for official made-in-the-USA Marco Rubio apparel, including bumper stickers, mugs, buttons, hats, and more. Visit store.marcorubio.com and enter promo code FLORIDA to get half off a bumper sticker for your car. Welcome back to The Audible. On Sunday, there was some breaking news out of Puerto Rico. We have breaking news on Puerto Rico's Republican primary. CNN now projecting Marco Rubio is the winner in Puerto Rico today, uh, taking in 73.6% of the vote with 25% of the precincts reporting there. Again, Marco Rubio with a wide lead. CNN projecting he will be the winner in Puerto Rico. Uh, 23 delegates up for grabs there. Marco won in a landslide in Puerto Rico. He won with nearly 75% of the vote, absolutely crushing the rest of the field. And because he won more than 50% of the vote, the first time any Republican candidate has done so this primary season, he got all of Puerto Rico's 23 delegates. In the island of Puerto Rico, I won 70% of the vote. I won that primary in the 23 delegates. In an open primary where anyone can vote, not just Republicans, Democrats and independents, I got over 70% of the vote. Not because I became less conservative, but because I took our conservative principles to people who are living the way I grew up. I will take our conservative principles to people living paycheck to paycheck because I've lived paycheck to paycheck, because I grew up paycheck to paycheck. We'll take our conservative principles to young Americans, many of whom are facing thousands of dollars in student loan debt. Because up until three years ago, I still had student loan debt. I've never met her, but I paid Sally Mae a lot of money. I'll take our conservative principles to young families raising their children in the 21st century because Jeanette and I are raising our first four children in the 21st century. And my friends, it is harder than ever to instill in your children the values they teach in our church instead of the values they constantly try to ram down our throat in popular culture. I will unite this party and I will grow it and we will win and the Democrats know that. That's why the Democrats have spent more time and more money and more resources attacking me 
than any other candidate in this race. They have attacked me more than any other, all the other candidates combined because they know that if I'm our nominee, we win. Hillary Clinton does not want to run against me, but I can't wait to run against her. On Monday, Marco was back in Florida, where he held two rallies, one in Tampa and the other in Seminole County. At the rally in Seminole County, he told a touching story about his grandfather. My grandfather was a huge influence on my life. He was born in the year 1899. When he was born, there weren't even airplanes in the sky. And yet, on one summer night, he watched on his small black and white television as a man stepped foot on the moon. Think about that. He was born when there was no airplanes in the sky, and he saw a human being step foot on the moon. And you know what he said to himself? He repeated this to me years after that. He said, Americans can do anything. Americans can do anything. We can do anything. There is no problem we can't solve. There is no challenge before us we can't overcome. There is no opportunity before us we cannot fully embrace. But we have to do it now. A local TV station talked to some of the voters who were at that rally. He's the real deal. He's presidential. He should win. Supporters point to his ability to unite a broken Republican Party. I believe he can unite the party. It needs to be united. The other candidates, um, I have disagreements with them on several issues. On Tuesday, he continued his swing across Florida. Marco made stops in Sarasota and outside of Jacksonville, Florida, where he stressed the importance of the upcoming primary. This is what we have the chance to do together, but it starts here in Florida. I've been here before, in this moment, at this time. For five years ago, I was a private citizen who saw our nation headed in the wrong direction, and I said, our next U.S. Senator has to be someone that stands up to the Obama agenda and offers a clear alternative. And the establishment of our political party came to me and said, well, we found the person to do it. His name is Charlie Crist. He's the governor of Florida. He has a 70% approval rating. And he's pretty moderate, so that means he can win, because we can't win with a conservative. And I said, well, I know Charlie Crist. I've seen what he's done in Florida. He is neither a conservative nor really a Republican. And if you elect him, we're gonna, he's not going to be much different than Barack Obama. But they didn't believe me. And the entire establishment of the political Republican Party was against me. In Tallahassee and in Washington. But we persevered. I was 35, 40, 55 points down in the polls. I had no idea how I would raise the money to even stay in that race. Most of the people that thought I could win all lived in my home. And four of them were under the age of ten. But it was too important. Because I knew that Charlie Chris was not what he said he was. And I knew he would not do what he said he would do. Well, history repeats itself. For before that race was even over, Charlie Chris became an independent. And then a Democrat. He's now a vegetarian. He keeps changing. Huh? Things are actually worse than they were five years ago. And once again, they say it can't be done. Once again, when I got into this race, they told me you need to wait in line. It's not your turn. I said, wait for what? After eight years of Barack Obama, this is no time for waiting. This is no time for patience. This is no time for action. 
Once again, I face an opponent that's ahead in the polls, according to the polls, who is not who he says he is, who will not do what he says he's going to do, who in fact is not a Republican and has never voted in a Republican primary, and who, by the way, was one of the largest campaign contributors and supporters of Mr. Charlie Crist when I ran against him. And just as we did then, we're going to do it again now. We will win this election, and you are going to make it happen. On Wednesday, Marco will continue his campaigning in the Miami area before doing an hour-long town hall event with MSNBC and then a live show with Megyn Kelly on Fox News. All of that comes before the Florida Republican debate on Thursday. Tune in to CNN at 8.30. We will have all the highlights from that debate and more on the next episode of The Audible. Be sure to subscribe to The Audible on iTunes and leave a rating and a review so even more people can hear Marco's message. Don't forget, we are now taking listener questions. Just email us at podcasts at marcorubio.com. For daily campaign updates delivered straight to your inbox, subscribe to the daily kickoff email at marcorubio.com slash kickoff.